Transmitter device activated. Coordinate set for Earth 2. Hey everyone, welcome to the Earth 2 podcast, a podcast where we explore the origins and the development of the DC Comics multiverse and the legacy of their Golden Age characters throughout the Silver and the Bronze Ages of comics. I'm Peter Watson. And I'm David Steele. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us. It's issue 7 of The Spectre this week. In many ways, the last man standing of the Justice Society of America at this point in time. Mm-hmm. He's the only one who's popping up with any kind of regularity. And indeed, we're approaching the end of his ongoing book, sadly. But issue 7, published on the 17th of September, 1968. We are rattling through 1968. Mm-hmm. Pete, do you want to tell everyone about the very striking cover? Yeah, it's a very striking cover. We have the Spectre logo at the top, but it's a weird Spectre logo. It's a kind yeah. of a very psychedelic almost pop arty look to it. It's in red, orange and yellow and it's across the Spectre's cape because the Spectre's looming in the background holding a giant dollar bill. A giant dollar bill. And we don't mean the member of the G.I. Joe team. Or the character from Watchmen. <laughs> yes. And animated from the dollar bill, flying out from it is a giant green eagle. And it's flying down to attack someone who looks a bit like Tony Stark. A thin, pencil-thin, mustachioed man running, running through the sky, it seems. Yeah. With tons of dollars flying from his fists. My yes. goodness. Running over the cityscape as a full moon looms in the background. Take a drink, listeners. Yes. It's, a, it's a Spectre comic. <laughs> Count your full moons. And at the bottom, we have the title of the story, which is The Ghost That Haunted Money. Tremendous. Mm. I've owned this comic for a long time. Let's have a look. At least since before 1995. Mm-hmm. And I've never quite registered the fact that the eagle was flying out of the dollar bill before. Ah, okay. Yes, this is another comic that I've owned for decades and never read before we did it for the podcast, despite <laughs> the fact that I claim to be a, a huge fan of the Spectre and I love the Justice Society of America. Of course. So, we shall begin. Spectre issue 7, covered 18 November, December 1968. Our opening page, selection of panels, and the caption for the first one says... During the noontime activity inside a Gateway City bank. Yes, we see the bank from the outside. There's a voice coming from inside, and it's saying... Now get this, everybody. I'm here to break this bank. We're inside the bank now in the second panel. We see lots of nervous-looking customers and members of staff all cowering because someone is pointing a gun at them. And the voice we heard earlier continues... As long as nobody loses his cool, neither will I. And there'll be no shooting. Next panel's a bit of a point of view shot through the, the glass in front of the bank teller. Did you have a, a glass in front of you when you worked in a bank? I did, yes. I we, predominantly worked behind glass because I ran the business cash. We had, it was sort of protective glass, but it was a big open window. So if anyone had pulled a gun on us, they, they mm. would have got us. But it wasn't like, it's not like this with the glass fully sort of covered it. We had, did you have the big automatic barrier thing that would slam up if you pressed a button? Did you have one of those? Uh, no, we just relied on protective glass, which didn't really protect me the right. two times it was robbed. But that's fine. You know, gosh! So at, you, at gunpoint, yes. At, really? Yeah. Oh my god, I didn't know that. I hope this, <laughs> I hope this, um, this story isn't giving you painful flashbacks. No, no, no. One of them actually was in Valentine's Day, funnily enough. Wow. Yeah. So I always remember that. Well, but anyway, the, the Valentine's Day bank robbery massacre. I <laughs> know. Well, fortunately, it wasn't a massacre. But there be we the are. Name of an issue of one of Pete and I's DC comics. So anyway, there you go, panel three. Fans. Back to the plot is a point of view <laughs> shot from inside, behind the kiosk, as it were. The teller looking out of this mustachioed, hatted man bearing the gun. It looks like a full moon is looming behind them, but it's just some interior lighting. This dodgy character is saying to the teller, Fill it up, teller, and skip the small change. In the next panel, we see a very brave hero cop starting to make his move on the baddie. 
as the baddie takes to leave the baddie, now with a bag, is saying, Okay, I'm clearing out. Hold that gun, guard. Don't play hero or... And then in the final panel, a caption says, Two guns erupt as one. see both pistols firing. Blam! Blam! Gosh. And the caption for the big splash panel on page two says, And when the smoke clears... You see that the robber is down on the ground. All his ill-gotten gains sprayed in front of him. The onlookers all stand and look down and, and a voice seems to echo above the bad guy who's down on the ground. The voice says, This money, all mine, I'll never let go of it. Never. We see smoke emerging from the barrel of the guard's pistol. The smoke forms into letters. There's a caption above these letters that says, And with the death of bank bandit Frankie Barron begins the eerie adventure of... The The Spectre versus The the Ghost That that Haunted Money. money. And we have a couple of tiny caption scrolls that tell us the stories by Gardner Fox and the art is by Jerry Grandinetti and Murphy Anderson. So it's the same team as we had last time. Neil Mm -hmm. Adams, A Distant Memory. So, page three, the caption for the first panel. Shortly, a police investigation with Captain Detective Jim Corrigan in charge. Looks like the guard is explaining to to Jim Corrigan. Jim Corrigan, whose hair is white in this panel, inexplicably. They're looking down at the old-fashioned chalked outline on the ground. You can see the money still lying on the ground. Frankie's hat still lying on the, the floor as well. We left it. The bank guard is saying, This is where Baron fell, Captain. The homicide boys drew that chalk outline of his body after the photographers were finished. And in the caption above, the next sequence of three panels says, As the bank guard and police captain move off, something starts shaping within the confines of the chalky outline. Yes, it's almost as though... Frankie Barron reappears. There's a sort of wiggly version of himself appearing. It's as if he's just coming back into existence. And over this sequence of three panels, the camera tracks in closer towards him. We see his expression clearer and clearer. And while this is taking place, he's thinking, This money's mine. I'll never let go of it, no matter what happens. Next panel's fascinating. It's almost as though this ghostly version of him is emerging from the chalk outline and reaching towards the cash, all the, the bundles of notes. And he's thinking, I'll grab it and run. If anybody tries to stop me, I'll cut him down. He continues in the next panel. Huh? I can't touch the dough. My hands go right through it. But how can that be unless... Unless I'm dead and I'm a ghost. But if I'm a ghost, why ain't I in Ghostville? Something's keeping me here on Earth. Yeah, very striking panel of him trying to pick up. I mean, if he robbed the bank, it just looks like he's just got a pile of ones. You'd think you'd have asked for bigger notes. I don't know. (laughs) You were robbed twice? It's yes. terrifying. Didn't know that. Mm. Okay. Caption for the next panel. In frustrated fury, the earthbound spirit of Frankie Barron glares wildly about the bank he sought to rob. The earthbound spirit of Frankie Barron supported menswear at King Tops in 1996. Mm-hmm. Joke. Yes, we see the ghostly translucent figure looking around the bank. We can see the other customers all going about their business. Translucent Frankie is thinking. Those people withdrawing money from the bank. My money. I died to get that money and here it's going to stay till I dope out a way to steal it out of here. Okay, so the caption for the final panel of page three says And when some of the money withdrawers start to exit from the bank Yep, see one woman, her handbag's open and all the money that she'd withdrawn is flying out of it and she's saying Oh, as I was putting my money in my handbag it flew out back into the bank There's another chap behind her, the money is flying out of his hands and he says Same with me, as if a strong wind were blowing it back 
And the other guy looks very concerned as his notes fly around him and he says, But but I don't feel any wind. Top of page four, we see a couple more bank customers having similar trouble. One man cries, The money keeps flying away from me. And another woman cries. Yep, she grasps for her notes. She, she declares, What kind of bank is this? Handing out such crazy money. So, the caption for the next panel says, As the money madness rages on, the spirit agency behind it all can be seen only by one person. Jim Corrigan himself, a dead man come to life and possessor of a ghostly guardian, the Spectre. Yes, a sly reference to dead man there. That's quite interesting. Yeah, we see Corrigan looking as young as he's ever looked in any of these stories in this panel. Actually, he looks very, very youthful and he's standing observing the money flying around and he's thinking, is it possible? Frankie Barron's ghost haunting this bank? And then Frankie's ghost thinks. <laughs> Even though I can't touch anything, I'm able to whip up ghostly forces to keep that money away from people. Jim thinks in the next panel. Ghost or no ghost, I'll stop. And he lunges forward. And then with an uh, he collides with a handy piece of bank furniture. because He's going straight through the ghost. Frankie's ghost thinks. <laughs> if I can't touch anything, neither can anything touch me. And then the next panel, all hell breaks loose. As with whams and crashes and bams, Frankie sends some of the bank equipment like chairs and telephones and typewriters and ledgers and pieces of paper flying everywhere and he thinks He'll learn along with everybody else that the money in this bank is mine. Gosh, so the final panel of page four has a caption that says In the furor as the bank closes its doors for the day Yes, a nighttime sequence is doing that thing that he did in the last issue of the Spectre where the narrative progresses within one panel rather mm-hmm. than being split up with you know the, the, the usual panel borders. It's very yeah. interesting. A full moon looms in the background beside a nice fancy old lamppost as Frankie's ghost emerges through the wall of the bank and flies off, thinking, Yeah, this money is all mine for the taking. But how do I steal it away when I can't even touch it? Come to think of it, I bet it's my craving for that bank dough that's keeping me pinned on earth. The next part of the story shows him flying up above the city with a full moon in the background as he continues to think. Even though I know I can't spend it, I gotta steal it the way I wanted to in real life or I'll never break the chain that keeps me here. Very interesting. Yes, this story obviously seeing some heavy things about greed and avarice and such things. So we arrive at the top of page five and the establishing caption says, That evening in Jim Corrigan's apartment. Again, the narrative progresses through one panel without the board. It's very, very interesting. Jim's looking in the mirror. And he sees the spectre coming through the walls of his apartment. And Jim says, Well, it's about time you showed, Speck. I've got a job for you that's right up your alley. Duke of Spooks replies, Later, Jim. Later. Right now, my spectral energies need recharging in your body. This can wait. What's in your mind? As the spectre flies into Jim, starts merging with him. Corrigan says, Don't play cute with me. Once you're in my body, you know all my thoughts and memories. Oh. You mean that ghost in the bank? The next panel's interesting because Corrigan is again looking in the mirror and instead of his own eye, you see the spectre's face. This is obviously how he converses with the spectre. Very interesting. Jim continues to say, A ghost I couldn't cope with, as you can see from the battering I took. So give out. How do we go about getting rid of him? Relax, Jim. My psychic senses tell me that Baron's ghost is already taking care of the problem. Extreme close-up of Jim's eye here and we see the spectre floating within it. He cannot touch the money. But he's contacted crooks who are going to pave the way for him to steal the money out of the bank. Once he has robbed the bank, he'll be released from Earth. Jim replies, That doesn't solve the problem at all. I can't permit him to steal that money. Out, Spectre. 
We've got to stop that robbery. Okay, so dissolve. Caption for the next panel. Some miles away inside the Gateway City Bank. In this panel, again, it's where we have to try and get used to Grandinetti's artwork. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's that same way like we said last time. It's it's very, very detailed, but yeah. does have a slight kind of caricature uh-huh. sort of feel to it. Two bad guys have arrived, both wearing suits. One has curly hair. One has a hat. He's smoking a cigarette. And it looks as though the ghost of Frankie has ripped open the doors of the vault. There's flames burning all around it, and he's inside throwing money around. So are two bad guys. One of whom we learn is called Joe, and he's pals, one in the hat. So Joe is saying, Man, look at all that loot. Why don't we grab it for ourselves? His pal replies, He's off, Joe. We made a deal with him. While he short-circuited the burglar alarms, we were here to soup the vaults and let him make off with the dough. Besides, he's going to give it all to us anyhow. He just wants to take it to our hangout by himself. Top of page six now, and Joe and his friend have exited the bank. They've obviously got the cash. Joe's saying, Okay, we've done our job. All we got to do now is get back to our place and let the money fall into our laps. we got to leave the bank doors open so he can get the money out. Yeah, very interesting. There's a full moon looming in the background there. Some nice details here. There's a one-way sort of sign on the, the lamppost beside them. We can see the identified Gateway City Bank. Very cool. The caption in for the next panel. High above, the fleeting thugs hurtle the disembodied detective and his alter ego, Jim Corrigan. Yeah, we see the spectre flying along. With Jim sitting cross-legged on his back. Very casually. They hit some. It's pretty cool. Mm. A full moon looms in the background as the spectre flies down towards the bank. We can see Joe and his bud on the pavement and the spectre is saying, There go Frankie Barron's bank openers, Jim. I'll sit you down after them while I go ghost hunting inside the bank. So as we arrive on page seven, a very manic-looking Jim Corrigan in an insert panel says, Okay, Spec, let me go. And with a full moon looming in the background, he jumps from Spectre's back. The Spectre's still at the top of the building. Jim jumps the full height... Of this two-story building. Yeah, the full height of the building, down towards the pavement where Joe and his pal are. Jim is saying to his spectral colleague, you do your stuff and I'll do mine. And then as the artwork continues in the same panel, with a thud, Corrigan lands on the backs of Joe and his pal. Joe's pal says, Where'd he come from? Very acrobatic Jim Corrigan here. Somersaults forward from the two bad guys before kicking back at them, and he's thinking, now that I've got the jump on them, I'll apply the finishing touches with a crack. Joe gets a shoe in the face, and so does his pal. The full moon looming in the background. So we arrive at the top of page eight. While inside the bank. Yes, the spectre zooms in on the left hand of the panel, and we see that the ghost of Frankie Barron is directing flipping great wads of cash to fly out the, the open bank door with a full moon looming in the background. The spectre is saying, Hold it, Baron. You cannot take that money out of here. Spectre, you ain't got a ghost of a chance of stopping me. In the next panel, Frankie's ghost makes a rush at the spectre, tries to headbutt him in the stomach. I'm going to ram right through you and... Oh. Spectre thinks, Frankie's ghost thought he could run right through me and out of the bank with his money. But since my body is as ectoplasmic as his is, we can touch one another. Well, that's going on. Bundles of $1 notes are <laughs> flying all around them. Think big, Frankie. Go for the big stuff. Mm-hmm. The next panel insert shows the spectre punching Frankie with a wham, saying, I have been in this game longer than you have, Baron, and know all the tricks of the trade. Baron's ghost is down on the floor in the next one. Spectre looming over him. Spectre saying, Make it easy on yourself. Give up. Nothing doing. I couldn't, even if I wanted to. Saying all that, the money is still flying out the door of the bank. Caption says, continued on the second page following. Pass an advertisement for The Adventures of Tiger Boy and his real tiger paws. 
it's an advertisement for something to do with bikes, but the look of things, it's ah, not, a, okay. not an, an Atlas Comics prequel series. So, top of page nine, the caption says, A wave of Frankie Barron's ghostly hand and a bank counter levitates. Yeah, Frankie laughs <laughs> as the bank counter floats in, into the air, and he continues, I always fought underhanded in real life, so why not now? And with a crash, it slams into the spectre, who goes, oh, spectre's down on the floor in the next panel. Frankie tips the bit of banking furniture over him. You can see a full moon through the window behind him. Frankie's thinking, Gotta get out of here before the spectre snaps out of it. In the next panel, he's rushing towards the door with the, the money flying after him, thinking, Just another second, I'll have it made. In the next panel, though, however, spectre starts to wake up and stretch his right arm towards Frankie's ghost, grabbing him around the ankle, saying, Back up, Baron. You'll only leave when the money is in the bank's custody, and you are in mine. Final line in a close-up. The money goes flying all around. You can see a full moon looming outside. Right at the top of page 10 now. Frankie, trying to break away from the Spectre's grip, gestures towards him, saying, You ain't gonna stop me, Spectre. Actually, he's gesturing beyond him. He's gesturing up at... Is that a light fitting in the ceiling? Yeah. Looks like it. Mm-hmm. There's a crack as the light fitting falls away from the ceiling as Frankie says, You can bank on that. Ah, in fact, we see it's a fancy chandelier because with a clonk, it collides with the Spectre in the next panel. who's still trying to stop Frankie. And Frankie laughs to himself and thinks, <laughs> That chandelier ought to put the lights out on Spectre. Full moon looms in the background of the next panel as Frankie's ghost flies up away from the bank with all the money trailing behind him. And as he flies off, Frankie thinks, This time there's no stopping me. As soon as I fly the money to the gang's hideout, I'll have completed the bank robbery and I'll be free of this earth prison. Here I go. Off he zooms with the, the bundles of cash trailing after him. He's really cleaned the place out. Gosh. Yeah. So, the caption then for the first panel on page 11. Toward that mystic realm where a human life force travels after death raises the release spirit of Frankie Barron. Yeah, quite a trippy little sequence here as he flies through little portals and past clouds and through weird stretched out panels of just flatness, I suppose. Bursts of energy surrounding him. Frankie's thinking. Wonder where I'll end up now. Then, caption for the next panel. But before he can reach his destination... Yeah, Frankie sort of comes up to a stop and he thinks... Uh, something's gone wrong. I feel that strong tugging pulling me back, back. And then we see him coming back into shape on a city pavement. He's surrounded by little waves of energy and the caption through this little wave of energy says... Hectic moments later... Yeah, and Frankie thinks... I'm back on Earth, stuck here in this punk place again. There's only one reason... A slow dissolve then, and the caption for the next panel says, Not far away in Captain Corrigan's office at police headquarters. And we see the spectre with Jim. Jim's smoking a cigarette, shakes fist. That's terrible. So he is. Bad habits. Piles of cash on the desk in front of them. Only get the view of the back of the spectre's head as he's saying, Here is the loot of the bank robbery. Baron's ghost made off with it, but I followed a spectral trail and recovered it. Corrigan replies, With his hired hands in jail, that leaves only Frankie Baron's ghost who escaped. And good riddance to him. However, there's a slow dissolve. The following day, as an armoured car is transferring the bank money from police headquarters... Yep, see Frankie's ghost standing on the roof of the building, gesturing and lifting the armoured car up off the ground. As he does this, he thinks... I can't remove the bank money out of that armoured car, so I'll simply steal the car along with the money. This time there's no spectre around to stop me. Over the page then to page 12, caption for the first panel. Suddenly, the canyon-like streets of Gateway City echo to the ghostly voice of the disembodied detective. Yep, the spectre has arrived. 
gestures towards the armoured car and he declares, I am here, Frankie Baron. I am drawn wherever there is evil to combat. Frankie looks up and says, You're wasting your time and mine, Spectre. If you keep recovering the money every time I steal it, I'll be forced back to Earth again and again till I pull off the job. This is interesting. Spectre looks like he's dipping the till here. It looks like he's reached through the armoured car and he's pulled out a few dollar bills. And he's saying, That does present a dilemma. I cannot devote all my time preventing you from committing a theft. So, I'll resolve your problem my own way. Frankie's ghost-looking manic cries, How, Spectre? By pulling that money out of the armoured car? And an inset panel shows the Spectre holding the note up to his face and the eye in the pyramid... On, this is where our lack of familiarity with American money <laughs> comes into. The, the pyramid in the eye on the note sort of bursts out of it and grows up into a giant shape. As Frankie continues to say, Making it easy for me to steal. Ah, where'd that pyramid come from? <laughs> We've all said it. Yeah, with a thack, the, the pyramid collides with Frankie. An inset panel of the Spectre. To round out this page, the Spectre says, Off the back of a one dollar bill. That's... Probably slightly confusing the way we've told it, but when you read it on, on the page, it's done very, very well. Grandinetti might be an acquired taste, but he's, he's a good storyteller. Mm, certainly it's very, is, yes. very fluid. It's very smooth. Hugely agree. Mm-hmm. So we arrive then at the top of page 13, and the caption for the first panel there says, As the dollar onslaught continues, the spec holding a $1 bill, and he's saying, And here's the eagle off that same bill turning against you. Oh, it's very like the cover. Mm-hmm. We see the, the eagle taking flight, emerging from the $1 bill, growing to enormous size and bearing down on Frankie with a crack! Frankie exclaims, then the spectre continues, And to show you your number is up, you are being battered by the very numbers off the money bills you are determined to steal. And this is quite difficult to describe. Basically, hundreds of numbers Mm -hmm. of digits of fives and sixes and threes and fours and nines and sevens and ones and twos and eights all flying off the doors and crowding around in the final panel page 13, Frankie's been surrounded and battered by them, being swamped by them. We can see the armoured car still floating in the background as Frankie cries, Stop! Stop! I can't take any more of this! I hate that money! Never want to see it again! Never! So we arrive then at the top of page 14. And the caption for the first panel says, Abruptly! And something seems to have changed. Frankie has gone from being sort of painted yellow. He sort of looks like he's dissolving mm-hmm. into a pink cloud and he flies up towards the sky, crying, At last! I'm free, leaving Earth forever. The armored car and all the numbers still floating around. The spectre looks up after him and says, Yes, Frankie Baron. Once I severed the psychic money cord binding you to Earth, you were released from the astral anchor pinning you here. And a slow dissolve. Caption that says, That night in Jim Corrigan's bedroom. Uh Uh-oh, where could this be going? Yes, we see Corrigan stretched out on his bed, hands behind his head, giving it big Zs safe in the arms of Nod, as the spectre perches on the end of his bed and says, And so, by making the ghost of Frankie Barron turn his love of money into hate, and then he registers that Jim isn't listening and he thinks, How do you like that? My bedtime story put Jim to sleep. The end. Thirteen and a half pages. (laughs) You know, that's two spectre stories in a row where the spectre has used money to defeat the bad guys because it was a silver dollar in the previous issue. Of course, so it was, that's right. (laughs) <laughs> I'd forgotten that, but of course you're in the thick of editing as we speak, so you're, yes. probably, you're probably sick to death of issue six, <laughs> six of the Spectre at this point. Mm. That was short and sweet. I would, you know, we're probably at the point uh, on a normal Gardner Fox Spectre story where they would have flown off through some other weird cosmic dimensions for six yes, panels. Yes, there'd be a small twist in the story. Planets at each other. Mm-hmm. 
That was almost poignant, the way that mm-hmm. the baddie almost saw the error of ways or had a change of heart and then just went yeah. off to... Uh-huh. He went up. He didn't. He went. He didn't seem to be heading downwards to, to well, hell or anything. You know, perhaps um, always forgiven. Who knows? Yeah, that's interesting. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Dan Donati's artwork. I'm really enjoying. It's it's very different from uh, Neil Adams, but it's very entertaining. It's it's a really he's a really good storyteller. Mm. It suits the stories. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, without a doubt. But yeah, I don't really have any complaints. It's just. Came in, did the job, got out. It was that's that's really it. To be <laughs> just honest, like, just like Frankie himself at the bank, yeah, he, said uh-huh. he didn't get out mm-hmm. the way that he planned. Yeah, um, I mean that's the fastest we've ever got through a Spectre story. <laughs> yes. I think in our in uh-huh. our recording, mm-hmm. I think the influence of Murphy Anderson and the inking is is most clear on the figure of the Spectre himself because he Without still doubt, looks yes. very much like a Murphy Spectre. It didn't seem quite as stylistically caricatured as mm-hmm. Six. Like, I mean, Joe and his pal, the the, the other bank robber guys, they look mm-hmm. a little bit. Heightened with the way that they're sort of they're styled and the way their faces are drawn and stuff. Yeah, but it, it flowed very quickly, and I think it probably deserves a few plus points just for not having a third act, yeah, really, you know, fighting uh-huh. monsters and, and another plane reality mm-hmm. sort of thing. I'm quietly moved by the fact that the bad guy kind of got a happy ending. Yeah, which is good. You know, it's, yeah, it's nice for a change. It's supposed yeah. to being banished or cast off or. Uh-huh. You know, imprisoned outside the universe or yeah. something like that. I've got quite used to the fact now that the Spectre and Jim are separate agents. Yay! At last. <laughs> <laughs> it's only it's only taken what, four showcase issues and, and <laughs> it's a couple of issues. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting break, breaking the habit of a lifetime that way. So it'll be mm-hmm. interesting to see as we go forward sort of like how that relationship develops because we're, yes. we're nearly at the end of the Spectre comic. There's only mm-hmm. three issues left at this point. Mm-hmm. There are no more letters pages for us no. to go through. There's no correspondence published in issues eight, nine, and ten. We wonder if the if the decision to to ask the book has already been taken. I'm not sure. Could be. The other issues we will we'll get to in due course. But no, it was it was it was interesting. Mm-hmm. It was another Bloomin' Spectre story with Murphy Anderson involved in the artwork. Do you think Murphy is adding in those full moons himself, or do you think that's part of Jerry's original pencils? <sighs> I don't know. Because we do know that's a Murphy trait. I don't know. I don't know, it's possible. I mean, some of them some of them look a little more integrated than others. Yeah, that is the Earth 2 podcast drinking game and Murphy Anderson's drawing something, take a drink every time there's a full Absolutely. moon. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, hang on, one, two... No, 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 no. Hang on, one, two... <laughs> yeah, at least nine, ten, at least ten, in at double figures, so that's mm-hmm. not bad. There we are. There's probably not too much more to say about that one, is no, there? No, that's it for this week, short and sweet. <laughs> so, thank you very much for listening. Yes, um, you know the drill by now, listeners. Check us out on all our social medias for yep. for some bonus content and, and such like. Mm-hmm. On Twitter, we have podcast underscore Earth 2. On Facebook and Instagram, we are the Earth 2 podcast. We will find some bonus material to go up this oh, I've week. Got, yeah, I've got a few. There's the cover uh-huh. of the panels. I've got the, I'm sure I've got a scan either of the original artwork or a foreign cover. I've got the digest reprint, obviously, to, to put up for this one. And, oh, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. Hang on. There's another story in this comic, Peter. There can't be. No, there is. No. There is. <gasps> Gasp. So, yeah, hang on. Turning the page, passing the letters page for this issue, there's a tiny circular caption that says, Story by Gardner Fox. Another tiny circular caption that says, Art by Dick Dillon and Sid Green. And slap bang in the middle of that, in thick black block letters, there's the legend, Our Man. Let's do this. There's an Our Man backup strip in issue 7 of the Spectre. Yay, here we are. Oh, dear God, yes. So, we kick off. It's not quite an opening splash panel. There's a large panel with an insert. The insert shows Our Man walking towards what looks like a big vault door. And the caption says, 
Upon his return from a Justice Society meeting, Rex, our man Tyler, heads for a subterranean vault of the Tyler Chemical Company, where he keeps his civilian garb. And the caption for the larger of these panels says, His hand reaches toward the solid steel door that he alone in all the world can open, when... And a man emerges through the vault door. He looks a bit like Hal Jordan. He's been in a brown jacket, mm-hmm. he's got blue jeans, he's got a fancy red ray-looking pistol in his hand, he's a metallic cylinder on his right hand, and he's pointing a gun at our man. Our man exclaims, What? Somebody inside the vault? And walking right through the closed door as if it weren't there? And the man says, Our man, what an untimely interruption. And the caption name for the next panel on page one says, With the speed of a striking cobra, Tricky Dick Arnold lashes out at the stupefied superhero. Yes, he swipes at our man's head with a cylinder he was carrying, the zonky collides, and as he does this, he says, How'd you ever find out I'd be stealing Tyler's top-secret blueprints? That must be what's in the cylinder. And we arrive on page two in the first panel. Our man goes flying back again as Tricky Dick Arnold strikes at him, and he says, Got you too groggy to talk, eh? And then the caption for the next panel says, Belted backward into a wall, the TikTok terror hastily swallows a miracle pill, which charges his body with super energy for one hour. Yep, Dick Arnold says, Ha! I thought you were a fighter, our man. You got the rep, but not the pep. And in moody, almost silhouette, our man pops a pill and thinks, In three seconds, this one-sided fight turns into a two-fisted brawl, and a little insert caption tells us the time is. one nineteen thirteen seconds. Our man leaps towards Dick Arnold the next panel, saying, By the time I'm through with you, I'll have those Tyler blueprints and the secret of how you can walk through a solid steel safe. With a whump, Arnold goes flying backwards and drops his gun. One nineteen seventeen seconds. The caption name for the first panel on page three says, As the gadget in the thief's hand crashes onto the floor, a blinding, searing splash of light blazes up with incandescent fury. Yeah, the gun goes off. Massive burst of energy. Our man's caught right in it, and Rex thinks, That eerie light flashing through my body, like a bolt of deadly radiation. One nineteen nineteen seconds. The next panel, our man falls backwards. He sees hourglass trailing. It's very effective. Falls right backwards. And Arnold watches this and says, Our man, collapsing as if struck dead by the metallizer's flare-up. But how can that be? All my gadget does is temporarily vaporize metals so I can get into and out of locked safes. It has no effect in human life. One nineteen twenty-one seconds. The next panel, Arnold has crossed over to Arman's body. Arman's lying flat out on the ground. Arnold looking very nervous, very concerned. Hand on his chest, and he says, His heart isn't beating. No sign of breath. I gotta get out of here. I killed our man. One nineteen thirty-two seconds. And at the end of this page, we have the title caption for this bonus adventure. The, the hour, hour our man died. died. So now we arrive at the top of page four. There's a caption with a nice little dinky hourglass at the bottom of it that says, For almost half an hour after the fleeting footsteps of Tricky Dick Arnold have faded out, there is dead silence in the vault room. Yeah, we see our man lying flat on his back and he's thinking. I heard him say I was dead, and yet, though my heart and lungs are stilled, I can still feel a crude semblance of life, maintained by the miracle of super energy within my body. One forty-eight, fifty-six seconds. Caption for the next panel. Slowly, haltingly, that which was our man rises to its feet. Rex lifts up his hourglass and looks at it, and he's thinking, It isn't human life I have, but the energized reactions of a robot. A synthetic life that will fade away when the miracle charge wears off. Exactly 29 minutes, 55 seconds from now. One forty-nine, eighteen 18 seconds. 
continues to think, taking a follow-up miracle pill would have no effect on me at all. Only by discovering the nature of the radiation that killed me, then neutralize it, can I hope to bring this dead body of mine back to real life. I can feel my supercharged senses tuning in on the radiation that doomed me. Still lingering in a lethal weapon on the stolen blueprint tube. Can't waste a single second. Got to gain possession of them. Analyze the radiation. 149, 23 seconds. The caption in for the next panel. Far ahead of the TikTok Thunderbolts, Tricky Dicky Arnold keeps his foot pressed down hard on the accelerator of his getaway car. Yeah, accelerating along his car, he's crossing a, a large toll bridge. You can see a full moon in the background as Dicky speeds up to the toll booth, thinking, When a superhero like our man is killed, the law goes all out to catch his murderer. To say nothing of the Justice Society. His car has pulled up in the next panel, and we see him throwing the cylinder with the blueprints and his metalizer into the river. And as he does this, he's thinking. One thing's for sure. If they catch up to me, they're not going to find any evidence on me. I'm getting rid of the metallizer and Tyler blueprints. To start over somewhere else, I'll need a stake. It'll take only a couple of extra minutes to go to my hideout, pick up the loot of my other metalizer robberies. Tiny caption says, continuing the second page following. That's in a page four. Arrive at the top of page five. The caption of the first panel says, Jetting after the fleeting felon is the man of the hour. This really makes it look as though our man is flying here. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, yeah, just really decision is our man is flying through the air and he is looking down at the road below him and he notices a motorist or a driver having some trouble. Our man thinks, that gasoline truck, out of control. And a voice from the cabin of the truck yells, Yeah, my brakes won't hold. I'll go over the rail down into the gorge below. One fifty-one, nine seconds. Our man moves to land in front of the speeding truck, which we can now see is labelled the GC Oil Company. As he descends, he's thinking, Even if I managed to save my life, I couldn't live with myself. If I didn't spare a few seconds to save that truck driver. One fifty-one, twelve seconds. Caption for the next panel. Into the road sink our man's feet. His hands are fleshy shields poised to stop the careening truck in its headlong rush toward disaster. This is great. Our man's landed and he's able to dig his feet into the ground, obviously trying to give himself a bit of bracing effect. Uh, the truck is accelerating towards him. The driver cries, Our man, get out of the way! I can't stop! I'll ram you through the guardrail! 151, 17 seconds. Caption for the next panel. Rubber tires burn, the truck shifts, lurches, halts, scant inches from the guardrail. Yep, our man has done it. We can see he's always been pushed back by the truck, but he's almost against the guardrail at the side of the road, and he's managed to stop the truck from taking both himself and itself and its driver over the edge. The driver cries, That was a close call, our man. Thanks. Imagine a superhero taking time out from a busy schedule to help (laughs) out just an ordinary Joe. Amazing. 151, 22 seconds. So, caption for the first panel on page 6. Our man's race for life continues when, above a river bridge... So our man has found himself on the bridge that Tricky Dick Arnold was on earlier on, and as he leaps off the edge of the bridge, he's thinking, Ah, the radiation trail stopped short at the surface of this river. It must mean my killer has unloaded his gadget and stolen blueprints below. 154, 49 seconds. So the next panel, so our man swimming down... Through the water, we can see the metalizer and the tube with the blueprints in them on the riverbed. That's convenient. Um, as he swims down, Rex is thinking, There they are. The water's preventing them from giving off their radiations. Maybe out in the open air they'll radiate again. One fifty-five, twenty-seven seconds. The next panel, Rex is emerged from the water, holding the tube with the blueprints, holding the gun, and he's thinking, No go. The water's not only washed away the lingering radiation, it's also ruined the thief's gadget. Now what? Wait. 
My nerves responding to that radiation again, from another source. Maybe there's still a chance. 156, three seconds. Yep, caption for the next panel. Soon in a wooded area far across the other side of the bridge. You must have moved across this bridge very quickly. Mm-hmm. Our man is looking down. The road's a little further away from him. We can see a car speeding along. And our man is thinking, something he's carrying in the car, emitting the radiation. Probably some irradiated loot he stole with the help of his gadget. 159, 49 seconds. Next panel. Our man has jumped down and he's basically attacking the car. It looks like he's either ripping the door open or punching in through the, the side window. And we can see there's money either just in front of Arnold or in the chair beside him. Anyway, we can see some cash. Our man spots it too, thinking, Got to rush this money to my lab for analysis. Come up with an antidote. Arnold, looking terrified, yells, Our man, but I left you for dead. One fifty-nine, fifty-six seconds. Very fast seven seconds there. So, <laughs> turning the page, we pass an advertisement for the 80-page giant issue 67 of Just League of America. Cracking cover. I think I've got that one, actually. Kept that one. And the caption for the first panel on page 7 says, Though unnerved by the appearance of the man he thinks he had murdered, Arnold bolts into frenzied counteraction. Yeah, we see from this panel it was the side window that our man had punched through. Arnold punches back at our man. Our man has grabbed the box with the cash in it. As he punches at our man, Arnold says, I went to a lot of trouble stealing that money and no dead man's ghost is going to spirit it away from me. Hey, I had solid flesh. What kind of ghost are you anyway? Two o'clock, zero seconds. Caption for the next panel. Unguided, the car careens off the road and... Oh yes, with a crash, Arnold's car collides with a tree. Arnold shouts from the vehicle. Drop it, our man, drop the bread. And our man thinks, not when it's my bread, of life. Two o'clock, seven seconds. The caption for the next panel. Within three seconds, the two foes are leaping at one another. Yep. Arnold's out of the car, rushing towards our man. Our man is running towards Arnold. Our man thinking... Sands of time running out on me. Arnold thinking, This spook's not running off with my dough. Two o'clock, ten seconds. The next panel, with a... Wham! Punches collide. Our man strikes Arnold in the jaw, and he takes a punch in the face himself from Arnold. Two o'clock, twelve seconds. Caption for the final panel on page seven. With the super-powered fist scoring the decisive blow... Yep, well done, Rex. Arnold goes flying backwards. Two o'clock, fourteen seconds. Top of page 8 now, the caption for the first panel. In a laboratory of the Tyler Chemical Company, 13 minutes, 31 seconds later. And we see Arnold looking a bit freaked out as our man has the money on the table in front of him, under a lamp, under a light shining down from some equipment. He's tapping out a keyboard, and our man's thinking, I'm getting a clear reading on the irradiating money. Normally, that radiation blast would have no effect on human life, but when combined with the miracle of energy in my body, it had a lethal reaction on me. In the background, we see Arnold thinking, our man, experimenting with my loot. 2.13, 45 seconds. Arnold isn't having it. He lunges forward, grabs our man, slams him in at the desk. Our man exclaims, what? Arnold says, Hands off my money. I don't know how to knock out a ghost, but I'm sure going to give it a good try. 2.13, 48 seconds. Whew. This next panel's horrendous. Oof. Arnold is grabbing our man round the neck and he's slamming his head repeatedly into the counter surface. With a repeated bang, bang, bang sound effects, Arnold says, I hope you're getting more of a bang out of this than I am, our man. 2.13, 59 seconds. Caption for the next panel. With a burst of supercharged energy, the TikTok terror crashes the back of his head onto his attacker's forehead. Yep, faint and dirty with a quack. Our man manages to collide with Arnold thinking, I'll be dead in my feet if I keep wasting any more valuable time with this thug. 
2.14, 6 seconds. And with a zonk, our man punches Arnold, sends him flying in the next panel, thinking, while he sleeps off that punch, it's going to take me a hectic 5 minutes to prepare the radiation antidote. 2.14, 10 seconds. The caption then, for the first panel, page 9. Even as the last grains of sand trickle down through his hourglass, our man gulps down his life-restoring concoction. Yep, very dynamic shot of our man. Taking a sip from a test tube, holding his hourglass up, just checking what time it's at. There are a few motion lines, which seem to suggest some kind of dynamic action. And the time now registers as... 2.19, 10 seconds. And he has made it with 3 seconds to spare, because he took his pill at 1.19... And 13 seconds. Gasp. Fantastic. The caption then for the closing panel says... Shortly, as he takes his prisoner to police headquarters... Nice low-angle shot as our man has taken Arnold up a flight of stairs into the police station. We see the police sign, large letters above the doors. Arnold is saying... What gripes me is, if I didn't get that money for a stake, you'd have never caught up with me. Yes, your stake turned out to be your mistake. The, the end. end. Tick, 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 tick. Well, that was fun. Yes. A nice little bonus. Completely out of nowhere. That was wonderful. I really enjoyed that. I'm a bit vague on how our man was able to track and trace the radiation, but uh, but I suppose he says something about his nerves mm-hmm. responding he, to the radiation against so maybe, it. So maybe that's what it was. He was following his nerves. He got temp- <laughs> temporary uh, radiation sense that he could sense radiation. That's a bit of a stretch. There you go. <laughs> it's, a, it's a Gardner Fox story. It's fine. Go with um, it. Well, that was great. I wish I had some context for it. I mean, did they deliberately yeah. do it as another Our Man showcase, if you pardon the pun? I think they must have done because the Spectre story was fairly concise and didn't feel rushed. I'm wondering if this was maybe kind of a pilot for having the Spectre be a... Co-star in his own book? Yeah. Interesting. No, not so much just with Iron Man, but maybe rotating GSAers. Because obviously we've had Wildcat guest star Mm. in it and that obviously got quite a good reaction. There's not much GSA action, as as we've said, apart from the Spectre currently. Yeah. Apart from the usual annual GLA team-ups. Yeah. So I'm wondering if maybe this is a way they thought the Spectre's book isn't doing hugely well just now. Let's try and pep it up a bit. Sadly, there's no radio reaction. We don't know what the reaction was to this, but this might be an attempt at pepping it up a bit. Possible. Shaking up the format. Yeah, it's possible. One thing we found really is just how contentious a lot of the correspondence has been. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, we've been quite surprised at the negativity of a lot of it. Yeah. Mainly directed Neil Adams, obviously. Which is bizarre. <laughs> but a lot of people complaining about the Spectre's power levels now you can't relate to him. And yet mm. some people complaining that he's not cosmic enough. Yeah. That he shouldn't be getting bogged down in these sort of ordinary stories. It's very interesting. I mean, our man is my favourite superhero. I love him. So I'm go. definitely not complaining. <laughs> that was a, a cracking little bonus story because we won't see him that often for the next True. few years, really. He pops up occasionally mm-hmm. in the JLA JSA team ups, and you know he doesn't really have his day in the sun, I suppose, until you know he pops up in All Star Squadron. Yeah, that was a lot of fun, very interesting. I like the idea of the casual way that the the metalizer gun was just sort of thrown away. You mm-hmm. know, very similar to the the fancy guns that Doctor Midnight and Sandman were throwing around a couple of years ago in the JLA JSA. True, team-up. very true. Yes, I liked all the talk of the TikTok terror, mm-hmm. that kind of thing, and obviously you know the big vault down in, in Tyler Co. Yeah, that was all cool. That yep. was, that was a lot of fun. Dick Dillon's art's fantastic as well. Absolutely. I mean, really to say, that's 
as we said for the first story, Grandinetti's art was really stylistic and great storytelling, but Dick Dillon, what he's doing here is just, it's wonderful. Yes, very straightforward. Yeah. And by that, we don't mean unsophisticated mm-hmm. or anything. It just tells the story very, very well. I'm just that used to reading his GLA stories where there's dozens of characters. Yeah. And it's it's really good to see him stretch his legs, stretch his fingers. Yes. As such, you, you know, yeah, and know just mean. focus just on just a couple of characters. Uh-huh. And it's great storytelling. The, again, the colours, the colours in this are fantastic. As we said in the last Spectre issue, where we, we talked about how DC up their colour palette. Yes. Uh, yes. The colours in this are fantastic as well. Aye, it's I mean, there's, really there's, good. especially in our mastery, there's lots of yellow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> All in. I mean, if I was a kid buying this at the time, I'd have been absolutely ecstatic. Yeah, two for one. Yeah, yeah. that's it. Spectre and Man together. A full page advert for the Creeper, a full page advert for the JLA. I mean, what's not to like? A half page advert for Brother Power the Geek. Yep. Johnny Double gets a half page advert. It does, it's yeah. Very, it couldn't be more autumn 1968 if it what tried. What a time. What a time. <laughs> there we are. Amazing. That was fun. Yeah. So, a Brucey bonus. Indeed. On that note, mm. on that bombshell, <laughs> I've been Peter. I've been David. We will definitely see you next time on The Earth 2 Podcast. Transmatter Cube activated. Return coordinate set for Earth Prime. One thing's for sure, if they catch up to me, they're not going to find any evidence on me. I'm getting rid of the metallizer and Tyler blip 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 blip